Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much for this church, for, um, for changing me, Lord, so much in the last three years, for uh, helping me to grow even more in you, Lord. It's so strange to see the things that, that, are, that I call sin in my life now, that if I had, if you had told me 10, 20 years ago that, that the things, these things are sin, I would have just said Christianity is impossible um, but, Lord, you continue to be patient with me. You continue to work with me. You continue to work in me. And you continue to work in this church. And, Lord, all I could ever ask, Lord, is that your spirit be here. Lord, that your presence will be here. And that, Lord, you will truly give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. To help us to block out all distractions, Lord, so that we can truly really be here and hear what thus saith the Lord. Lord, um, I just pray that you'll anoint our minds that we can really understand and uh, heed this word to do what you would uh, have us to do with it. And most of all, Lord, I pray that you'll open up our hearts, that we'll fall crazy in love with you and everything else in this life will, will pale in comparison to knowing the King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, when I get up here... Um, to preach man i uh i just want to make sure like it's 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 from my heart you know i i have um so many like i guess you could say stock sermons you know if somebody like on the fly said wow we need somebody to preach i could reel through my mind and go through about six or seven to kind of pick one i could i could preach you know and i thought three years ago i would have burned through all of those sermons and uh I don't think I've preached a one of them since I've since I've been here just kind of well I can preach this if I need to and and I've never been more tempted to preach one than this than this past week because um I never want to pretend that I'm right and preach um I wrestled this week I mean up to this this very moment to this this morning because I listened to a couple of my old sermons. For one, I don't know if you guys knew that know this, but about a year ago, we were talking about a lifeline revival, you know, a revival taking place um, in our church. And I think um, sometimes in God's mercy, He says no to a lot of people's um, revival because you know why pour new wine into old skins, you know, because that the, the wine just 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 all goes to waste. But I do believe in this past year that God has really prepared our hearts, given us new, new wineskins so that when he does, when he, when he pours that new wine and he does give us, you know, revival, that we'll be ready to receive it and do with it what he wants done. Because you know, I remember back in the days of hearing the, those old school evangelists come, man, and just preaching some hellfire and brimstone. And I went to the altar every night, and I got saved every night. Um, and, you know, and I look back, and I wonder why it was so fleeting. You know, why did everything change for a couple of weeks and then go right back to the way it was? Because that's what it looks like to put new wine into old skins, to put them into vessels that aren't uh, ready to receive them. So... I believe that he's preparing us and he's preparing our, our vessels to receive revival. And I listened to another one and uh, it's called the, the Spiritual Attack. It was like two parts and I sat there 
and listened to it. And uh, as I listened to it, I realized that this past week I had been under um, a spiritual attack. And I hate those things, and I don't know how many I have to go through. I'm really slow about everything, God. Everything. I mean, every once in a while, I tell Tanya, like, man, you know, like, I think I need to, like, just really be the preacher of Lifeline Community Church. She's like, well, for three years, you kind of have been. But, you know, it's like, I don't know, something in me just doesn't want to accept that kind of responsibility. But here I am. It's like, it's yours, Adam. I'm like, there you are. And so um, I've been under this spiritual attack. And I just kind of want to go over the five things that, um, the, the reason that I know, just real quick, in case you guys are kind of going through uh, the same thing. They almost always come off of a real spiritual high. Uh, you know, last Sunday on my little prayer walk with the Lord, I felt the Lord's presence just insane. It was awesome. I loved Sunday morning, and I especially loved Sunday night with our men. And I believe through that men's group, man, that, that you know, you're going to see different husbands, wives, you know, that come come to this. And I think that's going to change us, and that's going to be like the the backbone of Lifeline Community Church. And when you see the men of our church, you know, you see a real Christian. You see a real disciple. You see a real follower of Christ. And that's what we're that's what we're all about in that men's group that meets the last Sunday. Uh, of, of, of every month. So, you know, when, I'm, when you're under spiritual attack, one of the first things that'll, that'll happen, and it'll usually be after all like a real, real spiritual high, is it'll be a loss of desire for the things of God. And sure enough, and part of it's this, this spring break thing. We're on spring break now. And I've been doing like this little countdown thing to spring break and, you know, how many days you got left till summer. I get caught up and all that mess, and, and what that does, it takes away so much, and I don't know how many times I have to revert back to this, this verse before I realize that I've got to quit doing this, and I'm going to do something about this today. Um, you know, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is, it is sin. And so, guys... The one thing, the one thing I have to focus on, I believe the one thing that I have to give right, get right is just live moment by moment with the Lord. And when I start looking forward or, or my mind goes too far ahead to spring break, I get sloppy. Um, something happened at work this week, and I'm usually like the guy that does the, the moment of silence and the Pledge of Allegiance and stuff like that, man. And while I'm sitting there in that moment of silence, I mean, it is just pouring out my heart to the Lord for protection and for everything Him and to, that He'll put a light in me that everybody can see and all that kind of stuff. And like the one time, the one time, I'm tell, I, don't, I was just somewhere else, somebody else did that, and Man, it's just like all heck just broke broke loose and these things happened that just normally wouldn't happen on my watch. I just got sloppy and careless and I just started just lying around exhausted. You know, five o'clock would roll around and I'm just really, really tired and I'm laying there and I, I know I need to just get up and 
and, and just read the word and get to pray and like just be filled with his spirit. But I would lay there and just 30 minutes, hour go by and then I just go on to work. And then I do the very thing that I despise more than anything in the world. I pick the Bible up during lunch or at night, not because I'm seeking the Lord, but because I didn't do what I normally do in the morning. You know, not because like I want to go after him or because I'm about to enjoy him. I do it out of a sense of duty. And I read a bunch and I don't get anything out of it. And I wonder why I didn't. It's the first sign. You're under a spiritual attack, a loss of desire for those things of God. And I didn't have it this week. And part two is physical exhaustion. I mean, I've been... Just, just sleeping, you know, coming home even after school, sleeping for a couple hours and then going back to bed and sleeping and getting up. And everything in me should just be fine and revived and go in there and get along with the Lord. But I just, I just stay there and I'm just physically exhausted. I'm like, well, at least spring break's coming and I can rest and I can revive and I can do all that kind of stuff. And then that leads to the third part, the attack on my prayers. I've been driving this, this bus route, and I've so enjoyed the 30-minute ride home off that mountain and just praying. And it's like I could start praying, but my mind would just drift off. And before I knew it, I was back home, and I hadn't prayed. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? What is going on? You know, it's this spiritual attack. And then, then that leads to a, just this feeling of being overwhelmed and so much being piled on you. And that leads to just these, this revisiting of this, the, the things of the old life. You know, instead of reading, you get on Facebook and you just scroll through news feeds or something and a half hour goes by and you've done nothing. You know, I'm usually listening to sermons and I'm listening to, uh, to praise and worship music and just glorifying and honoring God, but... I've been on Spotify, just just playing around, and uh, it was kind of funny. Jameson was with me, and uh, I was sitting there listening to Hold the Line. Love isn't always on time. You know, I was like, now who knows that song? Don't make me, okay, all right, y'all bunch of sinners, you know, like, whatever. But uh, Jameson looked at me, he said, Dad, he said, you don't need to play that in church. (laughs) I'm like... That's that it's not a church song, you know, which was a trigger right there. It's like, why am I not doing what I normally, why am I so far away from, from this, you know? And so yesterday, um, you know, when I'm normally up and, you know, we had, had this really long day and I felt bad for, you know, not being here at the work day and, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, what do I do? I need a sermon. Caroline's got a dance competition, and she didn't give me a pass on this one. You know, you got to be at my dance competition. So I'm like, all right, well, she's going to be there like two hours early. I went to a McDonald's, found a little Wi-Fi spot, and just started, you know, just started talking to the Lord, man. And I started realizing all this stuff, and I started saying, you know, what do I, what do, I do? You know, what do I do from right here? I have, I've had a horrible spiritual week. Not even close to where I should be. Not even close. So, what am I going to do? Am I going, and here's our choice. Am I going to go through the motions and look right? Okay? I could come up here and I could preach one of these old sermons that I know off the top of my head you know, blast right through it, you know, you guys, all oh, good sermon, you know, whatever, Adam, great, you know, all that. Or, do I want to go through the process 
and be right with the Lord. And ever since that moment yesterday, and I tell you, as soon as we did that, went to Caroline's competition. They got like first place for like everything they did. So she was a happy camper. We went to see, um, we went to see the Case for Christ right after that. Caroline really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that. Fantastic movie. If you get a chance to go see that, very, very good and such a blessing. It was like that began to fill my spirit up. And this morning, you know, just my my spirit just began to revive and like. You know, for whatever reason, when I walked up right there when you were singing Overcome and I, and I knelt down right there, it was like I didn't even have to say anything. It was like, God, just oh, there's that presence that I've been missing all week, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. And so I, I came up with this sermon, Be Right or Get Left. And, you know, try to play a little words on the right and left thing. But be right with God or get left by him. Because I think we end up taking our own way. And I think he's like, well, hey, if you're going to do your thing and not my thing, he just backs off and he leaves. And he leaves you with the consequences of your decisions, whatever it is, um, you know, that you choose to do. So we're going to start in 1 Samuel chapter 13. So... As for Saul, this is, um, you know, this is Saul, the first king of Israel. He was still in Gilgal, and um, all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Okay, so... He had this whole thing where, you know, um, he, he's, he's got to go to war with Philistines. And he's looking around. He knows he's got to wait for Samuel to offer the sacrifice because the king is not supposed to offer the sacrifice. That's, that's reserved for the priest who is Samuel. And so he knows that this sacrifice got to be made. And he's just seeing the people kind of scattered. He's seeing people kind of not unified. So next verse. The people were kind of scattered. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. Okay, I'll do this. I'll take it upon my, myself to offer these offerings that are unlawful for me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, just like everything else in life that you do and I do, you know, you do something you're not supposed to. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering. That Samuel came, okay? And Saul and Saul had to, like, his heart start beating. He's like, man, you know, so he goes out to meet him. Instead of waiting on Samuel to come to him, he's like, oh, hey, Samuel, what's up? You know, high five that he might greet him. Okay, next verse. And Samuel said, what have you done? And soon as I see that kind of verse, I think, you know, it takes me back to the garden of Eden, you know, when um, they ate of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, God, he's come down to walk with Adam, you know, in the cool of the day. And he doesn't see Adam. Adam's hiding from God. And what does he say? Where are you, Adam? Where are you? I think about that question so much. I even think about it right now my own life. Where are you? And I'm like, man, Lord, this week I've just been so far from you, you know, I've been under this spiritual attack, and Lord, I just want to, I just want to get back, you know, right with you. And the thing is, God knew the answer. Adam, where are you? 
But he, he wanted to see his response. He's, you know, he knows the answer. But what will Adam say? He's like, I'm over here hiding, you know, because I'm naked, okay? Who told you that you were naked? He's like, nobody told me. I just know now. And then he says, have you eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I told you not to? And see, he knows the answer to these questions. He's looking for Adam's response. How are you going to respond to this? And instead of saying, yes, I disobeyed you. I'm sorry. What do I have to do to make it right? The woman that you gave me, that you put here, it's her fault. And technically, it's even your fault because you're the one who gave it to him. I was fine without her. It's just all these excuses. Samuel knows what Saul has done. What have you done? But what will, what will King Saul respond with? Go to his response. Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me. It's, it, it's them. It's kind of their fault. You know, they're, they're not hanging around here waiting like me. And that you did not come within the days appointed. It's kind of your fault too. You should have been here. And that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash. Like here they are plotting against me getting together. And then I said the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal. And I have not made supplication to the Lord. Okay, So I was looking at all these things. And I said you know what I got, I got to do something for the Lord. You know, forget the fact that it's not lawful for me to do this. I've not begged God. I've not come before him and said, Lord, will you help me in this situation? So I realized that. Next verse. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And as I read this, I thought about myself, how I felt compelled. Okay, I'm not right with the Lord. I'm not firing on all cylinders like I, like I normally feel that I am. And so here I've been these last few days feeling compelled to give God something. Maybe I give him something that I've come up with. And I told Tanya, I said, not one time have I ever been in this pulpit and ever given a sermon that I did not feel God's stamp of approval on it that something didn't happen where I know it's from him and not for me and I'm and lately I've been wondering if the first time is coming and it gets so tempting especially when I don't know about Wednesday Thursday or Friday what I'm going to talk about and it's like I can I know I can give them something but it's got to be lawful. It's got to be from Him. Because I don't want to get up here and convince you guys of anything. I want to get up here and the Lord and the Holy Spirit convict you guys of everything that you need. It comes from Him, not from me. And that's Saul's... Why does he feel compelled? He just doesn't like the way things look. He doesn't like the way things are going. And he does something that's unlawful. He offers a burnt offering that was not his to offer. This pulpit is not for me to come up with something and give. This pulpit is for him, his spirit to be flowing through me. And him to say what he wants to say. Whether I want to say it or not. Because I don't want to be here talking about this today. Because I'm Saul. Next verse. And Samuel said to Saul. You have done foolishly. 
You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which He commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. The thing you did today puts you on a, on a brand new road that leads to destruction. Here you were. You, your family, your kids, your descendants were going to be blessed because all these kings were going to come through you. But because you refuse to trust in God and His ways and to follow His commands, the simplest of His commands, the Lord, He would have established your kingdom forever. But that's over now. This one thing that he does that doesn't seem like such like a big deal it doesn't seem like it'd be a big deal if i got up here and just preached some stock sermon that i have in my head but it would be a very big deal because you know that's the deal adam you go and you preach what i would have you preach that's the deal saul you can become king and your family will last forever if you'll do it my way don't go and take off and do things your way. And that's what he's doing right here. But now, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Next verse. Then Samuel arose... And went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul, instead of what have I got to do to make this right? He goes and he numbers the people present with him. About 600. He just looks and says, all right, what have I got to work with? I'll take care of this myself. He just continues on with the same. Nobody here to make the sacrifice? I'll take care of it myself. All right, we got to take care of these Philistines up here. Let's not call on God. What have I got to work with? I'll take care of it myself. And it's probably the greatest sin that we get into. We don't ask God for the smallest of things because we got this. I can take care of this myself. So Saul, he starts saying, all right, what have I got? About 600 men. And then look at the next little verse I threw in here. First uh, Samuel fourteen fifty two. Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. Why? He don't want his kingdom taken from him, and he don't want to. He don't want to keep it the right way. So how about I find every strong man, every valiant man, everybody that could really be of value to me, and I'll keep him for me, and I'll just build this empire myself. Okay. So first, then we'll go to First um, Samuel chapter fifteen. Samuel also said to Saul, "The Lord sent." Me to anoint you over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Heed the words of the voice. See, that's where I believe the American church especially breaks down. You know, we, we know the, that we're saved. We know the Lord's anointed us. Um, and we're, we're the ones here to be the light of this world. Now, therefore, heed. Do the word, do what he says. 
You know, we, we love listening to it. We love observing it. We love interpreting it. We love hearing about it. But we don't love doing what it says to do because so often it's so hard in the short term. So hard. It had to have been so hard to watch your people scatter. And like if too many of these people leave, it's going to be just me. And how can I defeat the Philistines all by myself? Here, I got to do something. So I, so I offer this up. No, he should have been thinking, heed. What did God say? He said to wait on Samuel. I will wait and I don't care if it costs me my life I don't care if it costs me my job I don't care if it costs me my new position I will heed the words of the Lord I will do that which he asks me to do next verse thus says the Lord of hosts I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel okay Saul's about to get like what I feel like is a second chance. You know, one more chance. God, he is so patient with us. He'll give you chance after chance after chance after chance. You know, he's given me so many chances in my life. I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. So, I had to look that up. You know, I couldn't just pass right off. Okay, what did Amalek do to Israel? And this goes back to uh, the Moses days. Uh, when they were coming uh, out, up out of Egypt, and the king of Amalek just ambushed them, kind of like out of nowhere. And this battle right here is the famous one where Moses went up to the mountain and held his arms up. And as long as his arms were up, they were winning. And when he couldn't, they were losing. And so Aaron and Hur come over there and they hold his arms up all day until you know they get the victory and survive this uh, this ambush, and I, I had I looked it up uh, in Deuteronomy. I just want you to hear this about this Deuteronomy chapter twenty five verse seventeen. It says, "Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God." He had heard the stories, the king of Amalek. He had heard the, the plagues of Israel. He heard of the mighty deliverance. And most other countries were afraid. It's like, how does this group of slaves come out of such a mighty empire as Egypt? How in the world does that happen? And so the king of Amalek didn't fear any of that. And he was really Cheap about how he went about it. The rear ranks, the weakest people, the ones who couldn't keep up. That's who he came after. And it seems that's the devil's tactic right there. You know, he comes after me. Not when I'm strong. Not when I feel like I'm just full of the Spirit. He comes after me when I'm, when I'm tired. When I've, when I've kind of lost my desire. When I've lost my way. When I'm, when I'm straggling back a little bit. And that's when he wants to come after me. That's what the king of Amalek did. He had never been more like Satan when he did that right there. And years later, decades, centuries later... Thus says the Lord of hosts, now it's time for Amalek to go down for what he did. 
I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. How he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. It's time for punishment. Next verse. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all they have. And do not spare them. But kill both, and this, man, this is where so many non-Christians have such a hard time with the Bible. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. I want them all destroyed. You ever thought about why the Bible says God is good? You know, we only use that like, you know, you get, you know, you get healed of the disease. You get healed of something. Oh, God is good. Things work out in your favor. God is good. But maybe the Bible tells us that all the time because sometimes things happen that we don't understand. But God is still good. We love the story of, of Noah and the ark and the animals and everything. But you really think about that story. Eight people lived, right? The rest of them died. God is good. He's still good. When you're going through these things and you don't have a clue why this had to happen or this person had to go or this person left your life, can you still say it? God is good. And all things work out for the good. For those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And for some reason when I read that uh, this morning, I thought of that, that movie Conan the Barbarian. Don't go watch it. But you know, like, they leave this child. It's just a little boy. And, the, and his whole family, his dad, everybody's been slaughtered. And the guy that killed him, this, this other ruler, looks at, at Conan and just lets him live. Just leaves him like he's just a little boy. He's going to die. Well, let's let him die a slow, painful death. But that little boy, unfortunately, became Arnold Schwarzenegger. And like he kills them all. So, you know, you, you, you never know. God knows. Like, if a father is so, or if a king of a country is so willing to attack weak and innocent, and you teach them those ways. You know, he did the same thing to Achan at Jericho. Because Achan said, oh, I know God said don't take anything of the plunder, but this robe, it's so pretty. And look at this money. I can hide it. And no one will know. But his family knew and so when they bring everybody out, it sounds so awful that he brought his wife and he brought his children and stuff. But guess what, man? They're going to grow up and they're going to learn from their daddy. It's amazing how if daddy's an abuser of a child, that that child grows up to be an abuser. Even though he hated being abused as a child, it's just what they know. The sins of the father visit down to the third and the fourth generation, which is why I have got to not just come up here and look right. I've got to be right because i got a little boy watching me and I don't want him to see Anything in my life that he says, well, daddy think, daddy does it so I can do it too. None of that. None of that. Please, God, may that 
May that never be the case for me. That I do things. I allow sin in my life. And Jameson look at it and he take it to the next level. Next verse. (laughs) He's got his assignment. Kill them all. (laughs) But Saul and the people spared. Wow, sorry about that. Paul, Saul and the people spared Agag. Yeah, let's, let's, let's spare the king of this country. Okay, the main guy, the head honcho. And the best of the sheep, you know, just like Achan, he's walking through here. Ooh, those sheep, no, we don't kill those. Keep those. The oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. And they were unwilling to utterly destroy them. Because this had been Saul's pattern ever since Samuel told him the first time. He counted those 600 men. And every time he went somewhere, he kept the best of everything. Because he's going to build his kingdom his way, regardless of if it's the way God says to build the kingdom. He didn't have, he, I keep all that good stuff, but everything despised and worthless, everything that's useless to me, they can get on out of here. Go ahead, utterly destroy them all. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. The Lord God has only said that one other time right before the flood. I greatly regret that I made man. Look how the thoughts of their hearts are only evil all the time. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Same language. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. Next verse. And it grieved Samuel. And this is so convicting to me. And he cried out to the Lord all night. You know, have I ever been so grieved that I will stay up, that I will pour out my heart all night? Samuel did this. Samuel, like, he's feeling the Lord's pain. And he grieved All night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. It was told Samuel saying. Saul went up to Carmel. And indeed he set up a monument for himself. He's taking credit for this victory. And he's going on around, passed by and gone down to Gilgal. Keeping on doing his thing. Then Samuel went to Saul And Saul said to him, blessed are you of the Lord. Isn't it amazing how people so far from God can still talk the part? You know, greetings, brother. How you doing, brother? You know, all that kind of stuff, you know. And and I can see, guys, I, I, I can, I understand, I see how preachers, you know, they cannot be right. Be in gross sexual immorality and they can still get up here and talk the talk and people still follow them like crazy because you can go through the motions and you can look right or you can go through the process and you can be right but here he is going through the motions blessed are you of the lord 
I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He's saying he did it all, but he only did part. Reminds me of Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira sold that property, sold everything, and gave half. But said they gave it all. And the apostle says, you're not lying to me. You're lying to God. And they fell dead. And his wife came. Same thing happened. Partial obedience is disobedience. Period. But Samuel said, what then? Okay, you've, you've done the commandment of the Lord, right? What was the commandment of the Lord? Kill them all. What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? I, I don't even have to tell you. I don't even have to argue with y'all, with you. Listen, you did not obey the command of the Lord. Listen to the noise. And Saul said, they, they, the people, they have brought them from the Amalekites. It was that woman, Eve, that you put here that caused me to sin. Had you not put her here? Had these people, it's their fault. They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep. And the oxen to do what? Sacrifice to the Lord your God. We're going we're gonna to turn this into just a worship service. We're going to give all the best things to the Lord. And oh, won't He enjoy that? The rest of it though, we utterly destroyed. I mean, it, this preaches so well on its own. Let's go to First Samuel 15 uh, verse 21. So Samuel said, I mean, he just, he just gets on to him. I mean, like I, I didn't go through all that because it's just him. You can read all that if you want. So skipping ahead a little bit, Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And you would certainly think in the American church that what we think the Lord desires the greatest is our church attendance, our money, you know, our, our sacrifices, you know, that we give. Guys, I remember trying to intentionally be a tither for the first time in my life. And I had come up with like, uh, it was like $200 a month, okay? And, and, I, and I hate to say it, but I think I did it because, you know, somebody talked about how much more blessed you're. I heard somebody say, like, how much better off they are, like, with the 90% than when they kept 100%. And, you know, and I, and I just, I think I tried it a little bit more for selfish reasons, though I would have said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm obeying the commandment of the Lord. I would have been a lot like Saul in this, but I came up with, like, $200 a month. That's what I, that's what I was making, you know, at the time, about 2000 a month. And... um I remember, you know, writing that check out, you know, every month. I think I missed two months. And so by the end of the year, you know, I'd given like $2,000 and like, you know, got the little statement back from the church. And I was like so, so proud of my sacrifice, you know, like $2,000 that I'd given. Now, very quickly after that, some circumstances, just random circumstances happened at school where I was going to these meetings and uh, we weren't getting paid for it, but all of a sudden, the state said, y'all need to be paid for that, and I got a check for $2,000. And the more I sat there and I thought about it, you know, 
it was, you know, at first I was like, oh, wow, the Lord gave it back to him. But the, but the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, this is the Lord saying, I don't need your money. You gave this for the wrong reasons, Adam. I don't need your money. I just never wanted money to have you, Adam. And so it was kind of like a convicting thing. I mean, here I was. I gave this money, and the Lord worked all this just random stuff out, so he put it right back in my hands. And it caused me to change my heart. Ask me why I'm giving money. I want to give my money, give his money. It's all his anyway. But I want to give that because I, because I love him. Because he's given me so much. How could I not give back to him? He's been so good to me. Lord, here's just such a small part. Thank you. Thank you. Not just randomly giving him something because you think it'll make him happy. Well, I was I didn't have a good week and I did some stuff I shouldn't do. I'm going to go to church this Sunday. I mean, he didn't he didn't delight in any of that kind of stuff. There's a big difference in looking right and being right with the Lord. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed, to do that which you know He wants you to do is better than the fat of rams. You can't just go kill something and think, oh, He's happy now. You can't just show up to church and say, oh, He's happy now. You don't just write a check. Oh, he's happy now. To obey is better than sacrifice. To do is better than the fat of rams. Next verse. For rebellion, he calls partial obedience. You're doing some of what is right. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity, sin, and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. Next verse. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. What a good start. I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord And your words. What a great start. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Truth. Great start, Saul. Great. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin. And return with me. That I may worship the Lord. Big problem. And I believe this is American churchianity right here. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin. Just go ahead and it's just over. All you have to do is say the word and, you, and, and it's forgiven, right? It's over. And I thought this for so many years that I, I basically lived how I wanted money through Saturday and I go down to an altar and God's just supposed to say, okay, it's forgiven, don't worry about it anymore. But sin always costs Something. And it's amazing the price that it costs. I mean, here I am 
not doing anything in the, in the world's eyes. Okay, Adam, you got tired. You got overwhelmed. I understand. Happens to everybody. Just don't worry about it. Do better next time. But, man, at the cross on Calvary, I mean, and 20 years ago, it was my sexual immorality. It was my lying that I was placing upon him. And here I am doing this through the week and going down the altar and just saying, forget it, Lord. Like, it's, it's fine. Forgive me. I'm just pardon my sin. But that sin has to go somewhere. There's a reason that you can't just keep killing more animals, Saul. It's not about that sacrifice. It's about what that sacrifice means. These animals are supposed to receive your sin. Your sin gets placed on these animals. Then it gets murdered. Because guess what, Saul? Years from now, there's going to be a man named Jesus who is the perfect representation of all these animals, he's, he's perfect. These animals represent him. And every person's sin is going to be placed on that cross. And he's going to receive these sins. It's not that simple. Saul, your sin, something happens. It costs somebody something. So when I finally got it, I've finally knelt by my bed and I said, Lord, I don't want to hurt you anymore. I realized that it's not just commit sexual immorality and, and cuss and, and lie and just say, well, Lord, you have to forgive me. Man, my sin goes somewhere and it goes on the greatest Savior, the greatest man the world has ever known. And every time I just keep deciding to do it and, oh, just pardon it, I'm going to throw more sin, I'm going to throw more hurt on that man who loved me so much that he left heaven and gave his life for me. So no, it's not about for me right now just enduring, you know, trying to do better. It's, Lord, I don't want to hurt you anymore. Help me live for you because I don't want to do anything that hurts you. And I know you don't want me to do anything that hurts me. The greatest place I can be is so close to you. It's not pardon my sin. Just forget it. Just forgive me, Lord. And then he says, oh, and return with me, please, Samuel. Return with me. Because if you return with me, everybody will think that it's okay what I did. That I may worship the Lord. He has no interest in really worshiping the Lord because he has no interest in complete obedience. He wants to look right. He wants to go through the motions and look right. But he doesn't want to go through the process and be right. Now, his sin, guys, I mean, if you, if you really compare sins, I mean, I would say, just on a human level, that David... When he did all this with Bathsheba and he murdered Uriah, I would think that would be worse than just letting a king live. He let, Saul lets a bad guy live and, and David kills a righteous 
man. He actually lists Uriah as one of, the, the, one of David's mighty men. But if you have your Bible, just go to Psalm 51 with me. And let's just look at this. Because you've got, all I want you to do is see the difference in looking right, right here, and being right. Which is what we're about to read right here. Saul, if you go on to read, man, he goes, he does everything he can to, to, to keep his position as king. He does everything he can. David does not give a rip about his position as king. He had so many opportunities to wipe Saul out, and he never did. His men drove his men crazy. You had him right there. You know God's told you to be the next thing. You could have wiped him out. You could have killed him. Not for me to take his place. The Lord will take care of him in his time. Never fought for that throne. Not one time. And then on the other side of his sin, when his boy Absalom wanted the throne, he just said, you can have it. I'll go back to the cave, man. That's where I felt the most presence of the Lord. You know, all this kingship causes me to do stuff I don't even like. I'm going back there, and I'm going to remember, I'm just going to go be with the Lord. You can have all this stuff. But David, you're the rightful king. And if he wants me back up there, he'll put me back up there. I don't need any of that. Let Absalom have it. Perhaps that's the Lord's will. I don't care. Never fights for his position just fights to be right with God Psalm 51 a prayer of repentance to the chief musician a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him and after he had gone in to Bathsheba so Nathan's confronted him David says the same thing Saul says. I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. And he never tries to justify it. And Nathan immediately says, your sins forgiven. What's the difference? Here's the difference. Here's the heart behind someone willing to go through the process to be right. And not go through the motions to look right. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just, just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me and I shall be whiter than snow make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities create in me a clean heart 
And, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way. And sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. The God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offerings and the whole burnt offering. Then... They shall offer bulls on your altar. We only offer sacrifice when our hearts are right. And guys, you can come join me and pray, but I'm not putting my hands on anybody today. I'm, I'm making things right for myself. So anybody that wants to join me, go ahead. Father God, I thank you for every person in this room, Lord. I pray that Lifeline Community Church, Lord, will be a people who is right with you, who does not play this Christian game, Lord, of looking right and talking the talk and saying the right things, Lord. May we be 10,000 more at times interested in doing the right things. Lord, make us the, the daddies we need to be, the mamas we need to be, the husbands we should be, the wives we should be, the, that you've called us to be. Help us to love people. Help us to truly have a real light of God inside of us that other people see. And Lord, they end up glorifying you, our Father in heaven, Lord. Give us true revival, Lord. Give us the, the new wineskins. Wineskins that want to be right, that want to go through process, not through motions. And fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Grant us revival. But only grant, grant us revival, Lord, if we will do with it what you would have us to do with it. Don't send it to us, Lord, if we'll just be more of the same and let that wine right pass right through us and spill out on the ground and be asking for more later. Only fill us, Lord, if we will use it to become true disciples of you. Only, only give it to us, Lord, if we'll use it to, to invite people in, not so we'll have more people, so that we can build them up in Christ and let them know a life they didn't even know existed, Lord. 
Show us that life. Help us to learn to live that life. That life of joy and peace and patience and kindness, Lord. Fill us. Give us the fruit of the Spirit, Lord. And help us to be different. Help us to to truly, truly honor and worship you, Lord. Thank you for this week, Lord, this holy week. May we just use it, Lord, to spend as much time with you as possible, not because we have to, but because we want to. Bring us back Friday night, Lord, so we can make communion as serious as we've ever made it in our lives. And may we drink in the the body that took all that pain and, and suffering for us, Lord. And may we... May we drink in that, that blood that forgives us and washes us clean and makes us holy, Lord. May your spirit go before us to, to Good Friday night, Lord. And may your spirit just be here and just overwhelming. And bless our Easter Sunday morning service, Lord. I pray that you'll give me the words to preach. That people will invite people, Lord. And lost people may come to know you and take that first step with you. And whoever does, Lord, if anybody receives that seed, may it not fall by the wayside or on ground that will get scorched or on, or on ground that will get choked out by weeds, Lord. Help us to, be, uh, to, to bring people and plant seeds, Lord, for people that will produce some 30, some 60, some 100. Lord, all I know is there is no one like you, and I thank you so much for just the feeling of being clean and forgiven and being right with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.